Our theme today in the message is, let Easter draw you into a personal relationship with Jesus. That's our theme. And so I invite you to turn to the Easter story recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Gospel of John, chapter 20, 1 through 18. And dear brother Mark Autar will read the scripture for us. Please keep your Bibles open after the reading, please. And thank you so much, wonderful musicians. Good morning, church family. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in. The strips of linen was lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you would put him and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to your Father, my Father, to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said all these things to her. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. I want you to know that all the mother-in-laws that I know in our church and outside of our church are really wonderful, wonderful mother-in-laws. Amen, thank you. My own mother-in-law, Doris Keyes, who has been in heaven since the year 2000, 
was also marvelous. And I don't say that just to score brownie points with my wife today, but <laughs> it, it might help. It might help. Thank you, Cindy. All right. Nevertheless, I hear that occasionally, sometimes, sometimes, um, uh, sometimes the occasional mother-in-law is not exactly what, what a husband hoped she would be. And so I heard, I heard a story about a man who went on vacation to Israel with his wife. He went on vacation to Israel with his wife and, and with his very difficult to deal with ever nagging mother-in-law. And while they were in Israel, sadly, his mother-in-law passed away. And he had to figure out what to do with her body, where to bury her, and make funeral arrangements, and so on. So this dear husband went to a local funeral home in Israel to talk to the undertaker about how much everything would cost. The undertaker told him it would cost $5,000 to ship her body back to the United States, but he said it would only cost $150 to bury her in Israel. Well, the man thought about it for a moment, and then he said, okay, all right, I want to ship her back to America. The undertaker was very puzzled, and he said, sir, did you hear what I said? It will cost you only $150 to bury her here in the Holy Land. Why would you spend $5,000 to ship her back to America? The man answered, Well, a long time ago a man was buried here in Israel, and three days later he arose from the dead, <laughs> and I cannot take that chance. Pastor Walter, have you ever heard about that couple? <laughs> All right. You know what? You just, you just cannot ignore the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It changed human history. And here are some truths that I believe can help draw you, can help draw each one of us and lead us into a personal relationship with Jesus from the scripture that we just heard read so wonderfully by Mark. The first truth I want you to focus on with me is this. Jesus' victory, why don't you read it with me out loud from the big screen. Jesus' victory over the grave assures you and me of ultimate victory over death. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, that we just read, tells us of Jesus' mighty victory over the grave. And this part of our Bible tells us the tomb was empty. And other passages in the Bible tell us the same. Now verse 1 tells us the stone had been rolled away from the entrance to the tomb. I just want you to know, as the commentator in the Life Application Study Bible says, although I had thought about this many years ago, but it was interesting to see someone put it into print, um, 
the, the, the stone. The stone was not rolled away from the entrance to the tomb so Jesus could get out. He could have left easily without moving the stone. It was rolled away so others could get in and see that Jesus was gone. Wasn't that nice of the Lord? He did it for the sake of those first century followers who would go to the tomb and for us. Now here's a little bit of trivia. Here's some, some trivia for you. Who was the faster runner? Was it John or Peter? Well, for the answer, look at verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4 would say this. It says, Peter and the other disciple, that is John, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It is John who wrote this part of the Bible. And I wonder, I wonder if this was John's way of just kind of letting us know uh, that, that he was in better condition, that he was in better shape than, than Peter was, you know? Uh, I, I, I just kind of wonder if, uh, if once, once Peter got to the tomb, I don't know, it's just conjecture, but I, I just kind of wonder if, if, if John just said, you know, what, looking at Peter, huffing, huffing and puffing, huffing and puffing, I wonder if he said to him, you know, Peter, you got to go to gym more often. You got <laughs> you to exercise more, buddy. You know, I beat you here by seven minutes or whatever it was. The Bible doesn't tell us how, how much faster John got there, all right? <clears throat> All right, it's just kind of thought, just a little trivia for those of you who like trivia. Now, the important truth is John chapter 20 is telling us that Jesus is risen from the dead, and the other Gospels tell us the same truth with different details. Uh, for instance, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, verses 5 through 8, it is recorded that the angels, the angels said, to the women who went to the tomb the following. Why don't we read that scripture together in unison from the big screen. Luke 24, 5 to 8. Out loud with me. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, excuse me, that, that's the angels, okay? The men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. They remembered. Not only was Jesus victorious over the grave, but because he is risen, you and I are also assured, we are assured of, ultimately, of ultimate victory over the grave ourselves. We are told this in another part of our Bible in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 21, and 22. So here's what it says. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. Read it with me from the screen, if you wish. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, through a man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. 
but all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 and 57, we read, Where, O death, is your victory? The choir sang this. Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, this Easter Sunday, I invite you to allow Jesus' mighty victory over the grave to draw you, to pull you, to, to lead you into a personal relationship with Jesus so that you too can be assured you can be assured of ultimately victory over death when your time on earth comes to an end. Amen? Many of you know that over 10 years ago, it was discovered that I had a particular type of cancer. I ended up having major surgery, which, uh, which was successful and removed the large growth from inside of me, and I have been well since then. I can keep up with most of the teens. Amen. And whether, my friends, whether it is during a healthy time or during a sick time in your life or mine, it is wonderful, it is wonderful to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Say it with me. You see it on the screen, right? Say it with me. Come on now. Come on. You up in the balcony. You up in the balcony. You at the back and front here. Together. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Hallelujah. Say it again. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Amen. And because Jesus' victory over the grave means death is not the end for you or me, Philippians 3.20 declares, Our citizenship is where? Our citizenship is where? Yes. Our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A telemarketer tells this story. I imagine telemarketers could tell many stories. <clears throat> I mean that in a good sense. By the way, if ever you get calls from telemarketers, you be nice to them. You be nice to them and kind and, and gentle and sweet and cooperate with them. It might be your uncle who's phoning you. <laughs> All right? <clears throat> anyway, the telemarketer says, tells this story, and he says, one day he phoned a house and a real nice lady answered the phone. It's like most of you here. The telemarketer asked if he could please speak to Mr. Smith. And the lady said, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm afraid he doesn't live here anymore. And he said, do you happen to have his new number? Do you happen to have his new number? <laughs> the nice lady said, the nice lady said that she had Mr. Smith's new number, and so she gave it to him. The telemarketer hung up the phone and quickly called the new number. He was surprised to hear a recording say, 
Thank you. Thank you for calling Green Acres Cemetery. <laughs> Dr. Lisa was a little slow in comprehending that. My friends, some people think the cemetery is the end. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. When you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you know that death in the cemetery is not the end. It is the doorway to heaven. It is the doorway to heaven. And that child agrees with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, God, God does not want anyone to go to hell. There's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be avoided. God does not want anyone to go to hell. And the good news is Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for our sins. His death on the cross and his resurrection makes it possible for all of us, for all of us to be in heaven someday with the Lord. And so the question is, is your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord this Easter? Is your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, manager of your life, CEO of your life, leader of your life. John 20, verse 8 says, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, that, of course, was John, the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Will you also see and believe today? Will you also see and believe with us? Consider with me now this uh, second major truth. And it's beautiful. Not because I'm sharing it with you, but because it's right there in the text. And the second truth is this. Read it out loud with me from the big screen. The risen Jesus reveals to you and me his tenderness and compassion for us. We read of Jesus' tenderness and compassion in verses 11 through 18 where Jesus interacts with Mary. By the way, who, who really was this Mary? Well, Mary Magdalene, as she was known, was the woman Jesus miraculously drove out seven demons out of her. Now, how in the world she ever ended up being afflicted by seven demons, the Bible doesn't tell us. But the great news is Jesus delivered her of those demons. And I thought of this. Since Jesus drove out seven demons out of her, think about what Jesus is able to also accomplish in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life, in your life up there in the balcony. Think about what Jesus is able to accomplish in our individual lives. Jesus freed her of those terrible demons. 
Is there anything you need Jesus to free you of? Anything you need to be freed of? Do you need freedom, for instance? Do you need freedom from an addiction to alcohol or drugs? Do you need freedom from, a, from an addiction to cigarettes or gambling or online pornography or whatever kind of pornography there is? Do you need freedom from an addiction to, to worry or overspending? Or overspending. Do you need, do you, do, you know, do you know people who overspend? Put your hand up. Do you know people who overspend? Are, are, are you referring to yourself? Or to the person sitting next to you? Don't, don't say, don't answer. Okay? Are, are you addicted? Are you addicted to social media or an eating disorder? or something else. By the way, addiction, A-D-D-I-C-T-I-O-N, addiction is the term given to a, a pattern of behavior that causes negative consequences for a person. That's what it is. Okay, it's the term given to a pattern of behavior that causes negative consequences for a person. An addiction is when a person continues to do something despite knowing that it will have an adverse impact upon your life. My friends, sometimes there are addictions or something close to that that mess up our lives. And the good news is the risen Jesus is able to help us and to give us victory. Don't keep going on in life saying, well, it's just the way it is with me. I can't help it. I can't do anything about it. No, I just, just the way I am, just the way it is. The Jesus who delivered Mary Magdalene of all those demons is able to deliver you from your own demons. Come on now. Is there an amen? amen. Right on. Right on. Amen. The risen Jesus can help free us from something that is having a negative or adverse effect upon your life. Just as Jesus freed Mary Magdalene of her pain, Jesus reaches out to us. He reaches out to you in tenderness and compassion. After Mary Magdalene was freed of the seven demons, the Bible tells us that she became a very committed follower of Jesus and daily lived. She daily lived with a, 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 great, a great sense of, of gratitude. There was this incredible spirit of appreciation and great gratitude towards Jesus for what he had done for her. And, and I, you can't blame her. I mean, you, well, you certainly wouldn't blame her. You'd say, wow, that's the way to be, woman. Her commitment to Jesus was such that even when Jesus was being crucified, Mary, Mary was at the crucifixion. Think about this. 
The disciple John was at the crucifixion, but all the other disciples, all the other disciples were hiding in fear. Mary Magdalene was at the cross. Mary's commitment inspired her to go to the tomb on the first Easter Sunday morning. In doing so, she was rewarded by being the first person to see the risen Jesus. And I say to us, would you also become a very committed follower of Jesus like Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene? Amen. Let me get back to explaining why I see so much tenderness and compassion in Jesus in his interaction with Mary and, and with us. Mary would have heard Jesus speak many times about how Jesus was going to be crucified and how on the third day he would rise from the dead. She heard that many times, as did the other disciples. However, however, on that first Easter Sunday, Mary went to Jesus' tomb expecting to find what? Expecting to find a dead body, not a risen Jesus. Now Jesus, Jesus upon meeting her there in the garden, Jesus could have blasted her in the garden saying, Mary, 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 I told you and the others many times I would rise from the dead. Why did you come looking for a corpse? What's the matter with all of you? Didn't you hear me? Didn't you listen? Does no one listen to me ever? Sometimes I feel like saying that. But Jesus said nothing of the sort. Jesus said nothing, nothing of the sort to her. He dealt with her tenderly and with compassion. And it's such a beautiful scene. Initially, Mary thought he was the gardener, but when he, when he spoke her name and she heard that voice, that voice of tenderness and compassion, suddenly she knew it was Jesus. She knew it was Jesus. And her heart was warmed. Some of you might be wondering why Mary didn't at first recognize Jesus. The Bible tells us she didn't initially know it was him. And part, part of the answer would be that because it was very early in the morning, it may have still been somewhat dark. And so maybe she didn't really get a good look at him. That might be part of the reason. The answer could also be this. As uh, Dr. William Barclay says, the simple and the poignant fact is that she could not see, she could not see him through her tears. She couldn't see him because of her tears. Verse 11 says, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. My friend, if you have ever had a time when your eyes have been filled with tears and your heart is filled with grief, you know how hard it can be recognizing anybody. Isn't that true? You've been there? I've been there. And that's, and that's probably, uh, that's what probably happened with Mary. But when he spoke her name with tenderness and compassion, 
something clicked. Something clicked in her heart and in her brain. And, and as Jesus called out, Mary, she in her heart cried out, Rabboni, master or teacher. We see the tenderness and compassion of Jesus not only towards Mary outside the tomb, but we see it throughout Jesus' earthly life. For instance, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 and 36, why don't we read those beautiful verses in unison together, in unison. Would you read them with me? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Praise God. We not only read of Jesus' tenderness and compassion when he walked upon this earth. Many, many of you here can testify of how you personally have experienced his tenderness and compassion. Many of you here have heard, you have heard by his spirit, you have heard Jesus calling out your name when your eyes have been filled with tears because of the heartbreak you were going through. Amen. You have heard Jesus tenderly calling out your name when, when your heart has been breaking. And you have heard Jesus calling out your name and saying, saying to you, do not fear. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. As the Lord says, through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. Yes. Some years ago, one of our precious ladies, Thelma Carjohn, who was our nursery director. Thelma, you're here somewhere probably. Put your hand up, my sister. Or she might be in the nurseries this morning. But anyway, some years ago, Thelma shared the following story with me. It's a tragic story. One day, a father, a father went home. Sadly, he went home very drunk and very angry. Sadly, he pulled out a gun and shot his wife. And then he turned the gun on himself and pulled the trigger. Their little girl sat behind the couch, crying, screaming, not knowing what to do. The police came and took the little girl eventually, ending up with a new family. Soon that little girl went to her first Sunday school at a local church. The little girl was walking in the church building one day and she saw, she saw a picture of Jesus on the cross. And the little girl, the little girl then asked the teacher, how did that man get off the cross? 
And the teacher replied, he never did. And then the little girl, the little girl argued and said, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because the night that my mommy and daddy died, he sat next to me behind the couch telling me everything was going to be all right. With tenderness and compassion, Jesus comes alongside of us in our times of deepest need. There's a beautiful hymn in which the words say, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals. By the way, the portals are the, the doorways and porches of a church. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. And then it goes on. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. My dear friends, Jesus' victory over the grave assures you and me of ultimate victory over death. The risen Jesus reveals to you and me his tenderness and compassion for us. I encourage you to let these beautiful truths and many other beautiful truths from our Holy Bible to draw you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So that as you live your life from this Easter to the next, you live your life not only, not just on your own, but you live your life with Jesus being with you and in you by his Spirit. For he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Lord, let Easter draw all of us into a personal relationship with our risen Jesus. Oh, Lord. Some have come to this Easter service already having a relationship with you, and we rejoice. And Lord, may that relationship that they have with you grow stronger and, and deeper and broader and greater. And Lord, others, others have come today, perhaps never before having truly 
given their hearts, their lives to you. But today, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would help them and you would draw them to yourself into a beautiful relationship, a relationship of love, a relationship of tenderness and compassion, a relationship of having the assurance that death is not the end, but it is the doorway to life everlasting in heaven. Oh, Lord, Lord, as I look upon our congregation here today, as I look, uh, look upon and think, Lord, of those who are listening by radio and on the Internet, I know all too well that between this Easter and next Easter, next Easter, not everyone, not everyone that's present here today or even listening by radio, not everyone is going to be here a year from now. And so I pray that whatever it takes by your spirit, by your spirit, Lord, by a mother, a father, a grandmother, a, a cousin, an uncle, or by this, by this message from this simple pastor, Lord, I pray that you would help each listener to draw near to you and to be able to say, yes, yes, I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, yes. I repent of my sins and, and give my heart and my life to Jesus just as I am, just as I am. Lord, help. Help each one of us to take our relationship seriously. For you know, Lord, that as a pastor who is so often carrying out funeral services along with Dr. Lisa, oh God, our heart breaks, our heart breaks when we do not know for certain that that dear one who has passed away, when we don't know that he or she has made their peace with you, that they were trusting in Jesus as Savior. So, Lord, would you help everyone who's here today to know that they know that they are saved. And we know that it is only through faith and trust in Jesus that we can have a right relationship with God the Father Almighty. Hear individual prayers, O oh God, whether they're prayed across this sanctuary or prayed at this altar in these moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.